0: generally all BAs on paper without kind of bundling everyone together it's generally the same for every single BA CV you look at, they'll all have done the requirements gathering, they'll all have worked agile, done user stories, used Jira um, traceability matrix every BA is generally done the same thing, but not all BAs are created equally. So it is actually more about getting to the depths of the, the personality of the BA, how they come across, how the, the softer skills almost, like how you manage a difficult stakeholder, which is hard to get across over a CB.
1: Welcome to the Inside Business Analysis podcast. I'm your host, Tando Jacobs, and today I am joined uh, with James. How are you doing today, James?
0: Absolutely fantastic, Tando. Thank you for having me.
1: No, thanks for being on. Um, and I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, because you know, you you bring a certain level of expertise into something that I think a lot of people would appreciate having some um, expert knowledge and insight into kind of the whole job market and applying for jobs and things like that. But before we get into it, just briefly, um, tell us, you know, who you are and and what do you do.
0: Yeah, as you said, um, I, I recruit business analysts, mainly across the Yorkshire and Northwest region. We we kind of cover the, the UK as well, but my real specialism over the last seven years has been the Yorkshire and Northwest market, built up most of my client and candidate base there. Um, started out, I suppose, going to uni to do a business with economics degree up in Northumbria, did four years in Newcastle. Um, I suppose I enjoyed that quite a lot. And then um as is with many recruiters really, you don't end up planning to go into recruitment. You kinda go to university because it's the path that you get given. I went to a grammar school, um, <clears throat> and it's just the path that you kind of get led down really, like that that's the thing to do. You don't do a you don't do an apprenticeship going to a grammar school, you go to university. So I just went with the flow there to keep people happy, I suppose. Um went and did business with economics. Um that but I wasn't ever too passionate about it I always thought about going into politics or economics or stuff like this but um in the end just did university Uh, and then as it happened uh, a friend of a friend was working um at the first company that I ever joined a company called iSource Group a technology recruitment consultancy based in Leeds they're still going um joined there as a as a junior consultant essentially worked my way up there through junior consultant senior for about. Coming up to five years, um, funnily enough, I've had the same boss all the way through my recruitment career, to be fair. So I met him there, Sam Amidu, who is now MD and director of this business. So I first worked with him. Um, He then went off to another company called Corecom, another tech consultancy company in, um, in Leeds, Yorkshire. So after six months after the covenants was done there, he said, James, will you come and join me again there? Um, so I thought, Do you know what, my my time's done here at ISource. So I've learned a lot. I'll move on, go there, expand my career, did that. And that's where I got into the BA recruitment side of things. Um, so working there with him, I did that for a full year, learned a lot there, a load of new skills from loads of good experienced recruiters. And then finally, uh, Sam's goal was always to set up a, a technology recruitment pa- a talent advisory, uh, stroke talent partner. So he's set that up now. We've been, as a business, operating for about 20 months trading, but I've been here just over a year. Um, and I've promised promised myself and him that it's the, the third and final time that I'll ever ever work for him. So <laughs> this is the last time, essentially. <laughs> and, that, and that brings me here to head, head of practice at um, SPG Resourcing, um, headed up business analysis, project and program management and product. But my bread and butter is business analysis recruitment, kind of purely. I've got other people to do that the program
1: and product to projects for farming. Yeah, yeah, which, which is, you know, um, that's quite a journey you've had mm-hmm. there, actually, you know, just thinking about that. As you said, I think a lot of people, myself included, you got to, you kind of go you follow the path, right? Like the university path, yeah. and then you come out of it and you kind of feel, uh, I don't know what to do next because um, after you graduate university there's no there's no clear path after that it's almost like That's you just get it. thrown into the wind of life and you're just like okay what do I do now kind of thing yeah.
0: and <laughs> you know what I think it's way worse now like when I went it was what seven or eight so i started maybe 11 years ago and it wasn't half as bad then but it it, it was kind of getting mm. to a point then where it was like well this this university thing is kind of saturated already even 11 years ago um, it was there was kind of all these random courses coming up that kind of sent pointless. Is the kind of a job to go into after you've done this course, mm. but it was still the the path to go down. And then I think more mm. and more these days people are going to university paying the extortionate fees, and then what what really is there out of the other side when when we'll probably get onto this, but when experience is the real key thing for getting a role in my. In, in my opinion, uh, rather than some um, university degree, it, it's a step, look, it's a stepping stone. I don't think I'd have got an initial recruitment, they call it a recruitment graduate job because essentially they always ask for a, a degree. So it kind of helped me get a, uh, so that's what it is with recruitment. Even though now I hire people, it is not important at all to have a degree to get into recruitment. But on the old job specs um, back then, it always said degree required. And you kind of just, before you know anything about the industry, you just believe that. So you go in with, with a degree, uh, but I suppose it's not really essential anymore. You can, yeah, can, yeah. can use it back yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I I know what you mean, and and to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I did my degree. It was it was purely because um when I was looking at jobs, there was always that one little bullet point, you know, that's degree it. in yeah. this or two two in this, and you just think ah, I might as well just get it just so I can tick that little box that's when not, I'm applying for that jobs. Is it. It, it,
0: it, <laughs> do you know what it is? It proves a degree almost just proves you can apply yourself for four years, hit some deadlines, hit some yeah. targets, and you, you've applied yourself for four years. It's kind of something. If you've got no experience, it's something mm. I'd say. yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I agree with that. What's um, what's one thing that you love about like recruiting for BA
0: specifically? BA so, yeah, specifically, I've worked the architecture market, which is obviously much more higher level. Um, you could say more senior, but not not always. But the BA market, they I just seem to have really gelled with it because I I love talking to the people, the the rapport and the bond you can build with a BA candidate seems to be far superior to any other market that I've come across before. BAs generally just tend to be really good people, really nice people who are open to helping each other, building a community, the community side of it as well. Like I'm building a BA leadership community called um, the Requirements Gathering. That's a BA leadership event, and everyone's just so helpful forms, kind of splinter groups, and everyone just wants to to help and network with each other, which you don't often get that in some of the other tech disciplines. Um so i definitely say mm. that the social community network aspect of the BA um, is what I really, really like about it and, and really kind of gel with you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think um I can I can I can see that because i you know, same thing for me when I started my my I guess my networking side of things as a BA on business analysis. Um, it was certainly a lot more inclusive and friendly, and approach, a lot of approachable people, um, and a lot more people are willing to help than not. So it's actually a very, very good uh, community. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. Yeah. Um, what's the general take at the minute then regarding the job market? Do you think that there's a a strong demand sort of for BAs, or is there? Are you finding that there's actually a bit of a skills gap where like what employers want is hard to find? Uh, what's your general thoughts on that?
0: multiple thoughts on this at the minute and it's actually changing day by day so as it stands at the minute in the market we're seeing a little drop off in kind of most tech jobs but not BA so I'm seeing more BA roles than ever permanent mainly permanent but contract as well Um, and I think I think the reason for that is companies are winning big pieces of work and projects and they actually need a lot of upfront analysis doing um, to start with to kind of kick these projects off so I'm seeing even though you could, I don't like to say there's a downturn or or the R word recession or anything like that. I, don't, I never like to to say things like that because when you say it, it can kind of almost make it come true. But at the minute, I'm seeing a massive increase in Perm Beareals, certainly in and around Yorkshire and the Northwest. Um, contract seems good as well. I mainly focus on outside IR35, but that that seems good. But then, on the other hand, there's a lot of big companies just kind of announcing big redundancies as well um your Essentias, your and digitals. So there there's been loads recently. Obviously your bigger companies like Twitter, um Facebook, mm-hmm. Meta all, all making big redundancies. And that what so that brings me on to the there's been a, a salary bubble. Um so over COVID you wouldn't think so, but the, the salaries have gone up and up and up and up and the demand for BAs has been there and the and the candidate supply has been short. So obviously standard economic supply and demand salaries have increased. And we've been predicting mm-hmm. this bubble burst for a while now, but it looks like it's finally going to come to fruition in the kind of coming months because it's a perfect storm with all these other candidates flooding the market from companies that are letting them go. Um, so mm. there'll be a, a big oversupply of candidates for the demand, so that will bring the support. That will bring the price essentially down um, on mm. the BA salaries. But it's a good time to be a BA. But it's interesting to see what all these candidates flooding the market is going to do to it. Is is that going to take up all the jobs? Is it going to be just the perfect supply and demand situation? Um, is there going to be an excess supply of BA's who can't get a job? It's, um, it's all to be seen at the minute. But the general consensus yeah. I'm seeing is that the BA market looks as good as it's looked. Um, and it's never really suffered throughout COVID, really. There was a five-month dip uh, 20, March 2020 when it first started kicking off. There was a lot of uncertainty then. I'd say the market probably dipped for five months. But since then, it's been... Um, really
1: good and active for both contract tamper and BAs. It's um yeah, really good demand mm. it's it seems. Yeah, no, that that's actually that's first of all, that's good to hear. I'm happy <laughs> to hear that. Um but you know on, on on I'm not surprised to hear that either because as you've said, you know, companies I think change is always something that's gonna happen within organizations. And yeah. uh, particularly the organizations that are switched on to business analysis will 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 appreciate that okay business analysts or a team of BAs would be needed to Help them to uh, transition or go through that change in a really uh, efficient way and a successful way. So, hence the demand being there. But it's quite interesting about your take on, you know, the the increase in supply yeah. side, and we'll you know we'll see what the effects of that uh, long term are. Um, but yeah. I still I still would advocate to say it's still a, a very exciting career to to come into. Um, yeah. There's there's yeah, you know, there's kind of almost. There's, there's never not enough things to be done i guess always. that's that's my take on it anyway yeah. and, <laughs> and there's always
0: changes to be made and i think most companies now are really really bought into the ba function there's probably not a company i could name you that doesn't really have a good or um up-and-coming ba function i think everyone has taken to it really well i, I use yes. i use architecture as an example because i used to work at that market but some companies and organizations struggle to to see the value in architecture sometimes whereas with the BA, it generally, it's general consensus. It's absolutely essential in mm. in in this day and age.
1: Yeah, no, that that that's honestly music to my ears. Um, so James, you're the expert, uh, obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, this is this is kind of how I at least think about the whole job side side of things. Um, specifically if I'm looking for a job right Um, I kind of think to myself there's two things I need to pass or two things I need to kind of uh, go through number one is I need to get an interview number two is I need to get an offer Uh, and that's kind of how I've just simplified it in my head just so that as I'm going through it I I kind of got a focus hat on so starting off with that initial one of getting an interview that's essentially you know making sure that I stand out during an application and things like that what what sort of things do you do you look for for from an applicant that makes them kind of stand out to kind of get you to think yeah about to put this person forward for an interview
0: yeah do you want to do contract or perm because i'd say the slightly different subtle nuances okay
1: Should we contract for that for... uh, let's let's do both so we'll start with contracting
0: and then we'll go to the perm side so contracting what you want to see is um if, I, if i'm totally honest i prefer a contractor to be very to be within commutable distance to the client so say, for example, you've got a leads-based client looking for a contract BA role. What I'd say for that is, with a contract to say there's one or two days on site, you probably want a 100-mile radius from there. So location is immediately important because a candidate could be just as good, but the, the nearer candidate almost tends to take preference if, if that's right or wrong, um, sometimes just from hiring managers and need to be on site sometimes. Um, so then there's just general CV layout I love to see nice and basic, nothing too fancy. No photos, no company logos. Nothing down the left hand side. I'd start with a professional summary, just a kind of five lines introducing yourself, your experience, and and, and what you're about, and then kind of some key skills, um, your areas, your et cetera, um, requirements matrices, and all this kind of stuff or whatever, and then go into straight into experience, and then in experience company name length of contract dates and then basically a high level overview of what you've done there and then break it down into key achievements so what you've actually delivered not what the team's delivered not what anyone else has delivered specifics of what you've delivered in there and kind of quantifiable specifics and then underneath that a brief run through of like the, the responsibilities of the role so if you do that for every single contract kind of nothing too long nothing not Contract CVs. I know that contractors have longer CVs, but an eight-page uh, CV is really unnecessary. I'd say some people don't like to see past two, but I, a good contractor you could have a three-three-page CV. No, no, no problem at all. Um, and then another controversial one is gaps in between um, contracts, and this is becoming less of an issue recently. As long as there's a not an excuse because you don't need an excuse not to work but there's an explanation as to why you've you've not been in contract for a while so a lot of clients love an out-and-out contractor who gets extended three or four times in a contract moves on maybe a couple of weeks in between moves on to the next contract three or four extensions obviously that can't happen in the real world sometimes you sign up to a three-month statement of work that's the contract but generally you want Nice long stints, really good, reputable companies doing interesting pieces of BA work. And for me, a lot of that is in and around technology, even though a lot of BA work can be business change. But if you kind of try and incorporate technology as well as much as you can, I think that gives you a, depends what you want, but that gives you a good um, kind of stepping stone into your next next contract. Um I'd say yeah, I'd say I'd say that's all you need to do to to, to get an interview on contract. So have a good looking C V um and have some good stints at some reputable companies and, and and that's generally it. And then if you if you're a good match for, for a role that a recruiter's working on, they'll generally ring you as well. So you, you almost don't need to try mm-hmm. too hard as a con, as a contract BA. If you've if you've set yourself up to have skills in the market, you'll you'll just get approached. You probably won't even need to apply for another job for the rest of your career. Because a recruiter will know exactly what the client's looking for, and if you're right for the role, they you can hundred percent guarantee they will ring you and and speak to you about it, and um, and then if day rates line up, that that's one thing as well. Probably expect reasonable expectations on day rate, but aside from that, you'll you'll easily get an interview.
1: Mm, mm. So that's the contracting side, and how about
0: the permanent side? You know what permanent side very similar, but again, CV layout exactly the same. But permanent, you probably have to have a, a, a little bit more focus on explaining a lot more detail in the current role, um, longer stints in the current role. And, and and when you're coming up through your career, it's it's a lot more important to see kind of where you've come from, where you've gone to, so the steps you've taken, the progression you've taken. Um, and this is this is quite a, a funny one at the moment because it used to be that employers would look for good, solid, four, five, six-year stints in a perm role, um, whereas now I'm finding that two two years in a perm role can can be absolutely fine, and even one year in a perm role, to be totally honest, as long as there's a, a reasonable explanation around it and you're not just jumping from organisation to organisation for a salary increase or whatever. Say, say, for example, you've been missold a role, you went into a role and, and their culture wasn't actually set up for what you was looking for career progression-wise, you can actually move on after it, after a year because i speak to a lot of perm candidates who i have a perfect role for them they've been in one a role for one year and they con- but they don't actually like it and they're like look I'm, the role you have sounds really good but i i don't want to move and affect my cv and career um by moving on just after one year and and i've consulted a lot of, a lot of people recently saying look if the role's not right for you in this market you don't actually have to be held back not enjoying the work for that reason, mm. it's quite an old school way to look at it now. But uh, there is still some of that in there where if if a permit jumped around every year or two, it's they, they may struggle to get an interview. But generally, that's that's moving away now as well. So I'd say the key difference mm. for a permit is just just length of time in the role and and delivered some really really good pieces of work and and be able to really show the value that they've added to the company as well. Um. So to, to be honest, they're really quite similar contract and perm.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, but I, I think I think there is that slight nuance, isn't there, for contractors yeah. where it, it's 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 showing that you're able to go in and deliver um, at pace, so to speak, yeah, uh, yeah. and really really being clear about what that looks like. Whereas, uh, I guess, in permanent roles, it's it's kind of highlighting your value, uh, but maybe at a broader sense, yeah, um, yeah. into how you've helped the team and things like that. What kind of things would would you say, uh, you know, skills or qualities, et cetera, that um employers are looking for from BAs?
0: It's a tough one, the the the, the BA the BA skill set, because generally all BAs on paper without kind of bundling everyone together, it's generally the same for every single BA C V you look at. They'll all have done the requirements gathering, they'll all have worked Agile, done user stories, used Jira, um traceability matrix. Every BA has generally done the same thing, but not all BAs are created equally. So it is actually more about mm. getting to the depths of the, the personality of the BA, how they come across, how the, the softer skills, almost like how you manage a difficult stakeholder, which is hard to get across over a CV. So what, so what I tend to do is I, I run over the skills. Most CBs, most BAs have got the same skills. So then what I really drill into is how they've how they've got round a difficult stakeholder, how you've done this, how you've done that with a, how you've brought a workshop together and got the most out of people in there, which you sometimes can't get out of the CV. So it is almost my job as a recruiter to extract all the the softer skills. I would say a CV tells half of the picture, so you, 50% of the pictures you can say all that, and then what I'll do is extract the information that I know the client's looking for. So I'll know the culture fit of the organisation. I'll know the, the, the person of qualities that they're looking for. Um, sometimes mm. it takes somebody really firm but fair. Sometimes it takes somebody a lot firmer if there's a lot of difficult stakeholders that are really resistant to change. Um, and I suppose you can't get that across in your own CV. So I'll pull that out mm. of it. Um, so it's a difficult one, yeah. It's it, it's more just having a conversation around your softer skills and how you approach certain scenarios and how you get things delivered rather than the actual BA skill set because that is very similar for everybody, I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and um, no, that's actually a very fair point, um, which is quite interesting because when you're looking at, say, job specs you kind of you kind of see sometimes different flavors of ba we got like i don't know agile ba process ba um tech ba data business and this kind of thing And you kind of and i guess it kind of gives off the impression that they are very different roles but actually what you're saying is that the underlying the underlying factor of all yeah. all of those different types of roles is like you do business analysis activities really well, <laughs> Do you know
0: what you make a really good point there? The data BA role has been coming up loads more. Do you know what the data BA role probably is one to itself where you do probably need actually a. To, to be fair, I question whether it really is a legitimate role because you need more. Are you a data analyst or are you a business analyst? You need more Power BI, you need more Tableau stuff, but then. Yeah. They're wanting it too far to the data side rather than because a BA will, mm. will have just touched on it and worked on some data projects where they've had a little bit of exposure to, to those things maybe. But you're right, with the Agile Waterfall BAs, it generally generally doesn't matter if you've actually done out-and-out Agile, out-and-out Waterfall, hybrid of both. Everyone's generally right, done yeah. a flavour of, of all three of those. It's It's generally more the working environment. And if you can go in there, hit the ground running and get the right things out of the right people, so as a BA, I, th- I probably want to say as long as you've got the main broad skill set, it's probably more the personable side of the role, um, and how you wow. are with people that probably will set you out, uh, set you apart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are some of the? I'm I'm sure you've probably come across some interesting applications along along your journey. What are some of the common common mistakes that you see applicants making, uh, either on their CVs or, or or during the application stage that that just works against them essentially to get an interview
0: yeah I don't want to offend anyone who has cvs like this but <laughs> generally a big photo of your face on the top of the CV is I'd say clients don't don't like that anymore um, I'd say I'd say CVs that are, I just really think a basic word CV laid out in a really basic way so no tables on there really no kind of banners down the left-hand side, nothing like that, I'd say, yeah, do, do you know what, I get a lot of people who aren't BA's applying to BA roles, but that's kind of, that. that's beside the point, but I think just, because t- to be fair, you do look at a job spec and think, oh, I could maybe do that and throw my hat in, uh, my, my uh, name in the ring, but I think you've got to be close to the job spec to get a chance of, you've got to be realistic about, be close to the job spec, be close to, to the experience required. Um, but apart from that, I'd say most BAs have, have got a chance with with most BA roles, but I, I, you've got to speak to the, you've got to speak to someone to understand the, the, the bit underneath the job spec, because the job spec really is just a very generic first step into the organisation. You really want someone behind it who, can explain everything about the role and the culture and, and all this stuff that isn't on the job spec.
1: Yeah, which is actually an interesting point um, because you touched on this earlier about the CV being, I guess, the introduction to the person, but you still have to have the conversation with the person to unpack some of these softer skills. Uh, and then the reverse of that is then the job spec is the same for the organisation. It's yeah. kind of like the introduction to the organisation yeah. and, the, and the job, but you still need to have that conversation to understand exactly what is happening? or oh, what, what's the you know what's the job really about? Kind of situation, which is quite an interesting perspective there. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's getting an interview, I guess, and it's really just about making sure your CV is really strong and you kind of highlight your key achievements and, and what you've done and, and summarising your career journey so far. Yeah. Um, and then on the on the other side of that, let's just say I've got an interview now and and you know I'm kind of ready to take that next step and I want to pass the interview to get to offer stage. Are there any particular key points or tips that you advise your your clients to say uh, you know this is how you can make a great impression during the interview?
0: Yeah definitely there's there's loads of stuff you can do so generally I will do a 30-minute interview preparation teams call with a candidate before they go and see any clients so that'll involve I'll fully prep them I mean this is just me who does this so wider so wider knowledge would be I'll send them who they're interviewing with, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So you go on the LinkedIn and, and absolutely make sure they've seen that you've looked at their LinkedIn the day or two before the interview. So 100% do that. 100% go through the hiring manager's experience, have a look at where he's worked, see if you can find out anything about where he's worked, see if you've got any mutual connections that you, that you may be able to drop in. Networking connections is one of the biggest ways that you'll build rapport with people. If someone knows somebody, you can talk about that on an interview. That just puts you massively in front anyway, rightly or wrongly. Um, mm-hmm. Also, make sure you check out the company's website and LinkedIn in real depth. Make sure you know a lot about the company, um, which is generally standard stuff. But you'd be surprised the amount of people who don't actually take the time to do the research about the company or the people are meeting beforehand. So that's that's uh, number one basics. Um I'd get the recruiter, if you can, to talk through the job role again in more detail with you. But if you can't, just look through the job spec. and Like you say, it's 50% of the role, but you can make sure you're 50% ready of of everything on there. Make sure you know the the job spec quite well and be able to present what you've done um, when asked. And then the star technique is one that I always kind of really recommend, situation, task. So you, you explain a situation um you explain what you was tasked with the actions that you took and how you resolved it so make sure you answer all questions using the star technique that's one that a lot of hiring managers look for um i've had it before where people have not been successful in the early days and and the feedback was oh they didn't use a star technique and then that was my bad to be fair because then i've not prepped candidates to answer questions using the STAR technique that's a big one in the uk um I'd also say be very personable but not over-friendly, concise but not lacking detail. So you've got to – it's all about fine balances Um, Mm. and as well, very important, dress dress the part. Even though we're in a Teams remote world these days, um, I always advise for my clients, look, they're a a dressed-down, fairly casual company, but don't, don't go to the interview like that. If I'd always there'd be a minimum expectation for a shirt, open collar shirt maybe like this would be fine for some. I'd say a jacket, open collar shirt for others, um, and and you can still go suit and tie, uh, do the full works for for some as well, depending. Uh, but if you if you're unsure, I'd go shirt and tie or um, and jacket. To be honest, you you can never fail with that. You can always be underdressed for an interview. But, but not overdressed. dressed mm. I'd say. So that sometimes really is a deal-breaker for some clients. If you don't know the client and you've gone direct and applied directly and you've got an interview and the HR's not told you what to wear or anything, I think it's a, a risk to kind of go dressed down. In, business casual at the very, very, very least, I'd say. So, yeah. Um. What else? Yeah, I, th- I think that's generally it for, for interviews. It's be confident, know your CV inside out. Um, And make sure you've got a lot of good questions to ask at the end. This is a really good one. They'll always ask you what questions have you got. And for me, really killer questions that I've kind of got a lot of candidates across the line with is um, the candidate should ask the client stuff like really kind of open, thought-provoking questions. So what makes you get out of bed in the morning to to come to this role? You've been here for the last 10 years. What, What is it that you like about the culture? What is it that you like about the role? Why have you stayed here so long? um another one is if i did join this company what progression routes would be in place for me how would i develop um just showing you're really kind of engaged and keen to progress and keen to de- keen to develop yourself and that always looks good um so i'd say yeah those are my interview tips mm. no no, no.
1: <clears throat> really really good tips there and I, I and i do like the you know you've thrown in quite a, quite some uh, specific tips there rather than just kind of generic stuff uh, which is actually really useful now you touched on linkedin during your answer um what what would you say you know would you say that everybody needs a linkedin profile and everybody should be using a linkedin profile and would that help them on this you know journey of getting their job so to speak
0: 100 i think these days most jobs are filled on linkedin I want to say a lot is moving away from your job boards, Uh, don't get me wrong, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but in my experience, most jobs will be filled via LinkedIn, so companies will advertise their roles on LinkedIn, recruiters will advertise their role on LinkedIn, and recruiters can also get hold of you through LinkedIn in Mail as well, which is a a really good tool these days to really find the best quality candidates, I'd say, to find the best passive talent. Um, I'd 100% have a, an up-to-date LinkedIn profile and make sure you spend a little bit of time investing into your LinkedIn profile because that is, to the world, your main profile. If you Google somebody these days and they don't come up, you're kind of asking questions like, why Why is there no online profile of somebody in 2023? And it almost puts you at a disadvantage if you've not got a LinkedIn these days. Even if somebody just wants to have a quick check and see if your CV matches up to your LinkedIn profile, just as a, just as a checking a balance it's not it's not a deal breaker by any means if you don't have linkedin and you're an exceptional candidate with a great cv you interview really well but you may find if you don't have a really good solid network it's harder for you to get in front of people to actually show what you're about because no one will know about you no no one will know anything about you the the recruitment world and the the ba world runs on network i think and who knows who who's worked with who who can reference who well um so i'd say minimum having a, a an up-to-date LinkedIn profile and and just do a few bits, just like a few bits, comment on a few things occasionally once a week. It doesn't have to be consuming your whole life because I know people can get consumed by scrolling through LinkedIn when they're supposed to be, supposed to be working or whatever. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely recommend a LinkedIn profile up-to-date.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I, I have to say it's it's quite a, a strong point you've made about having an online presence essentially, and I I've definitely started to I, I had I had to make a switch in my mind I guess yeah. the way I view LinkedIn I kind of don't mm-hmm. see it as I, I, just another thing like Instagram is actually the way I see it is um it's it's almost like my CV but online so if people do want to just see what I'm about rather than them asking me for my CV they just got my LinkedIn profile and never look and that kind of gives them that initial. Yeah. I don't know, sense check, so to speak, and then if they like what they see on LinkedIn, chances are they might then reach out to me uh, directly, and then and then kind of start that conversation a bit further. So uh, that's kind of how I see, it anyway. So, um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you on that front. Are there any are there any other uh, resources that you recommend people kind of take advantage of, particularly job seekers uh, in their search
0: for you know a new role in the BA world? Um, no. So you've got you've got your job board. So you'll upload your CV onto a job board. Um recruiters will call you there if they think you're suitable or if they want to just build a relationship for the future. Um, you can also apply for jobs directly through the job boards and you've got LinkedIn, same again. And then um, another one is candidate networking events, kind of specific ones. I'm going to start start BA candidate workshops um, just to get to know your passive network. You don't necessarily have to be looking for a job. You can be looking for a job, but if you go along to these things build offline relationships and networks i find really works well you get to speak to people Mm. in real life you you can do in real life what you can do what you can't do in 10 teams meetings if you go and speak to a, a group of bas in real life i think the value of that when you're looking for a job is kind of way way superior to applying to jobs where you've got 50 bas applying to roles and you might just get um just overlooked but if you go into a room and speak to people and you've done some networking got your name out there shook some hands built a few relationships got a few mobile numbers that will pay dividends in the years to come for your career rather than um just applying for roles obviously you can do both but uh but yeah
1: yeah no that's a, that's a very good point about networking um, another point that you did touch on earlier actually that I wanted to to um unpack a little bit you kind of mentioned people who apply for the BA role but they're not actually in a beer role at the minute, so I'm thinking about people who are potentially looking to switch to business analysis, yeah. um, but you know they're doing something else at the minute. Um, what, 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 what would you say to them? You know, how can they position themselves for success? What kind of things that can they do if they don't have, ex- uh, I guess, a experience or a job experiences? BA to put on the experience section. Um, what kind of things could they do to make them? You Not know, successful.
0: Yeah, great question because this is a really, really tricky one, and this is one that does come up a lot. Somebody wanting to get into mm. BA, but to be totally honest and frank, you won't get a BA job without any kind of BA experience. It, it, it is, it's is really rare. So, like you say, things you can do. One of the ways, one of the best ways I've seen it done is actually work your way up into a BA in your current organisation say say you're just in an organization doing whatever I, I don't even see specific roles that BAs come from like architects sometimes come up through either development or infrastructure engineering Um, the ba can come from anywhere you, you can be working in accounts you can be working um, as an office admin you can be doing something else to do with the process you can be a tester you can come up through loads of different routes so what i'd say is this is if you've got a role already Make it known in your business and do your absolute best to kind of implement some BA stuff, start spreading BA ideas in the organisation to your line manager. Try your hardest to get into a BA role in your current company and get them even to define a role for you. Once you've done that and started acting out the BA um, roles and responsibilities for a year, you're good to go start applying for kind of, not junior BA roles, because I almost don't think they exist, but entry and mid-level BA roles. I think that's a really really good way to do it and i've seen that done successfully loads of times that that is the number one way to do it become a ba in your organization first um other ways to do it there are BA apprenticeship schemes i know for example dwp runs a good ba apprenticeship scheme they take on tens of bas a year to do that uh, there'll be other providers and suppliers of, of that as well another couple of companies who do that um I'd say that's a good route. And then controversially, I'd say it's probably not even worth spending the money on the certifications like the BCS and the IIBA before you're a BA because those certs alone won't get you a BA job. You almost need the BA experience and then do the certs to kind of finalise it, which seems like a backwards way around of doing things. But I'd, I'd almost certainly suggest the
1: BA apprenticeship or um, working your way into a BA role in your current organization. Yeah, uh, I did the did the exact same thing. Um, I, I was applying for jobs, couldn't get anywhere with it because obviously I didn't have any BA experience. Yeah. Uh, even with the junior BA roles, you know, they, even they ask for some yeah. sort of experience anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of like. <laughs> 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 so so that's why I agree with you about the the junior BA role is kind of a, a I don't know I kind of. I could get shot for saying this, I'll be honest, but I feel like it's, it's a BA role that is underpaid. That's that's how I think about it, because it's just asking for experience with the junior tag on it. So it's just like, uh, I, OK, but that's a different topic for another day. <laughs> um, but I did the same thing. You know, I, I basically um, uh, just looked for projects within my current organization that I just got involved yeah. in. Um, and even just kind of create projects within the team that I was working. I just kind of looked at the process that, of the way that we're working, and just kind of revamped that. And that's kind of where my 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 journey really started to apply business analysis techniques yeah, and, yeah. and skill set, even though I didn't have the BA job title. Um, so I completely agree with you on that on that front. Um, but it is tough, you know. I think it is it is a tough thing. And and you touched on the point about certifications as well about. They don't. Re- they're not designed to get you in the door in the way that some other certs are. You know, if you look at I don't know uh, UX/UI or even coders and developers, the certs help them in their fields. But in the BA space, it's almost it's almost meaningless for the purpose of getting a job. But 100%. it's really useful, obviously, for knowing what you're doing.
0: 100%. Prime example: I did my uh, BCS Foundation um, Diploma passed that got that but by no means does that mean I can now as a recruiter go away and start getting a BA job like all it has done for me is improve the service to candidates and clients because I have a, a good idea of what it's about but by no means am I hands on mm. BA so it's it's one of those
1: yeah 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 we could we could go off another half an hour talk about why that's the case uh, but this has actually been a really insightful conversation James I think um, you know hopefully a lot of people would have got something out of it. I think some people can pick one or two things, action points um, that they can put in place from from what we've spoken about today. Um, Because, you know, as you say, the job market is is, um, active at the minute with uh, a lot of people wanting to change jobs or a lot of people looking for new roles or a lot of contracts coming up from organisations because they're embarking on a a number of different changes. Um, What just... Just from your, you mentioned actually before we, before we close on about requirements gathering, the this um, yeah. uh, thing that you're kind of working on. Could you just touch on up what what that is or what that entails?
0: Yeah, so in in the Yorkshire tech community, there's there's been these leadership events run by recruiters for for a few years now. Um, I think back in the day, at ISOS, we kind of pioneered them as well, but I don't want to claim to have started off the be the leadership tech recruitment events, but. What we saw was a niche in the market to instead of like a beer and pizza night where you get kind of twenty thirty, forty people along do a presentation and a talk that's not that engaging, we thought why not it, it costs more money and it's uh, it's a little bit more organizing, but why don't we bring together an exclusive invitation only private dining event um in various different locations across leeds and and build a real solid niche community off the back of that so so basically the first one the requirements gathering uh, we held it at the private dining room in the grand pacific queen's hotel um i went out and actively populated that with uh there was 13 heads of ba so exclusive organizations over leads in the tech space um and beyond to be fair that had real good ba functions or upcoming ba functions and and i approached them and then we I kind of spoke to all of them and said, what challenges are you facing as an organisation, as a BA function and what would you like other people to, what would you like to see from other people? And then kind of brought it together with um, five different topics on the table. So you sit down, you have a three course dinner talking to people um, and then we kind of run through, I host it and run through the the topics as we go and kind of guide the conversations and, and bring it all together at the end, and, and people leave that kind of feeling really inspired, really motivated, and understanding that a lot of other BA functions have similar issues to them. They're not on their own. There's other people having these same struggles, and and it, and, it, and everyone leaves kind of feeling really invigorated, really. Um, so that's gone down an absolute treat. with um, and, and what we what we want to do is run one every kind of quarter. So we've had the second one that went down really well. Um and then every time I kinda of get three or four new people there and naturally three or four of the old of the old lot can't make it that night for whatever reason. So what we do is slowly, slowly grow this BA leadership community across across Yorkshire and, and discuss the hot topics in the in the space um as and then. So I think the next one I've had um conversations with principal BAs at various places across Leeds already about how chat GPT is going to affect uh, BAs in their work and in their roles and, and things like that. So that's that's one idea for the next one as well. So yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. it's an invite only event, so you've got to be on a really exclusive list of people that you get approached to, uh, to 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 come to that one. But yeah,
1: nice, no, nice. I think it's it sounds it sounds like a very good space nonetheless. Um, you know, to 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 have that community, to have these kinds of conversations, particularly with people who are. Um, you know, I like the fact that you're working with people who are decision makers Absolutely. essentially in, in their space and their and their in their organizations because um, they what they decide or the way that they lead the teams will then obviously trickle down to the rest of the BA teams and the wider BA community at large. So um, it sounds exciting. I'm just I'm just a bit gutted that it's an invite-only thing because I was just about to say how do we how do we join in ourselves, but you know, um, you know, but you know we'll just we'll just wait for the I'm invite one day, I guess. next Delivered by a chauffeur on a gold envelope. Awesome. It sounds like one That's of those great. kind of events. <laughs> <laughs> do you know
0: what? We did actually buy a, a wax seal like the Harry Potter envelope? So, <laughs> so we've got SPG branding on the on the SPG on a, on a wax seal on the back of the envelope. Well,
1: it's, it's cool. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I love it. I love it. Well, James, this has been such an insightful conversation. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise and your knowledge and giving us, you know, uh, some insights from your unique uh, position. Because you know, you're not just somebody who's succeeded at applying and getting jobs, but your uh, this is your day job essentially, yeah, yeah. recruitment specific for BA. So it's been really. No, i really appreciate you sharing that the insights that you've shared today are there any final thoughts before we kind of close off um based on just what we've spoken about today and a particular thing that you want to just highlight to, for job seekers to kind of take away from today's conversation
0: you know what i'd highlight and i'm not even going to put myself here i'd say build a relationship with two or three really good ba recruiters that you trust that you know are out and out ba recruiters not not people kind of no no dig at these recruiters that just kind of work all markets jacks jacks of all trades master of none they do a job they do a good job but you want to pick two or three really good local ba recruiters that you trust build a relationship with those and you generally won't really have to look for a job again if you're right for the role that they will know and they will tell you it's their day job they're coming to work every day needing to find the right people for their clients so you almost kind of we are almost. So this is a totally free service for the candidate as well, by the way. So we are the eyes and ears on the market for you for free. It's it's the client that pays at the end of the day. So basically, you've got free service. You might as well use it. Hmm.
1: Yeah. No, that's that 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 is um mic drop moment. I have to say, <laughs> definitely a mic drop moment. I have never thought about recruiters like that. Yeah, but yeah. I think
0: it's a free service. You've definitely,
1: you've definitely. Yeah, you've definitely given me a very insight, a different different perspective on it. So for those people who are listening to you and saying, "I want James to be my or one of my my three recruiters," where can they best find you? How can they connect with you?
0: I'm on LinkedIn, James Hill, um, SPG Resourcing, pretty easy to find. Or go to uh, spgresourcing.com. We've also got Instagram as well, SPG Resourcing. Um, it's probably worth noting we're part of a wider tech transformation business as well. So we've got a, so we're a group. Uh, spg group we have a software business which is a iot smart building solution for we go into kind of big office buildings and save them kind of thousands of pounds a year with this mobile app kind of tracking energy usage desk usage that's software that's the software side of the business we have a technology transformation business which has been up and running for about eight years where we go into various different organizations and help them with um digital transformation essentially um, and then like most recently over the last two years we've we've, we've brought on the the in arm of the business so arm arm of the business we provide top talent into the transformation business so an internal client but then we also act as a talent advisory and, and partner for, for clients in the in the external recruitment uh, external tech space essentially as well so so yeah that, that's our offering and um spg resourcing on, on most most platforms
1: Oh, now I'll, I'll put the links in the uh, show notes to, for people to kind of find your LinkedIn as well if, if they want to connect with you that would be great um, but thank you so much James it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today
0: I really enjoyed it that's that's flown by that's the, the fastest 50 minutes I've I've had all, all year that's, I really enjoyed
1: that I'm glad to hear it thank you so much <laughs>